Well, the title of today's message is Interceding for a Nation. Interceding for a Nation. And you can turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 to 6 from the New International Version. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. You know, we serve an all-powerful and an all-knowing God, yet for some reason he has chosen to involve us in the extension of his kingdom by calling us to pray. In James 5 verse 16, we read that the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. From our text in 1 Timothy, we can see that there are different kinds of prayer. We read about prayers of petition, we read about prayers of thanksgiving, and we read about prayers of intercession. And today I'd like to focus on intercessory prayer. The word intercession means to intervene on behalf of another. It means to mediate. Just what Jesus did for us, to mediate. It means to stand in the gap and to represent one person before someone else. That is what it means to intercede. So intercessory prayer in its simplest form is to pray a prayer to God on behalf of another person. That is what it means to intercede. Sometimes it can be to pray for a person. Sometimes it can be to pray for a family. Other times it can be to pray for a nation. When we intercede before the Lord on behalf of another now, in the Bible, there are a number of examples about intercession. There's actually too many to mention. Then we'll definitely be here till 6 o'clock this evening, John. But I want to mention just two as we start off. And the first one is Abraham. And ponder for a moment again on Abraham when he interceded on behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah. So here we have two wicked cities. The Lord comes down. He meets with Abraham. He tells him, I'm going to destroy these cities. And Abraham says, Lord, will you destroy these cities if there are 50 righteous people in them? Hear Abraham's heart. He's interceding for any righteous people. God says, if there are 50 righteous people, I will not destroy this city. Abraham then says, how about if there are 45 righteous people? Will you still destroy the city? God says, for 45 people, I will not destroy the city. Abraham then goes and says, and for 40 people, and the Lord says to him, I will not destroy the city for 40 people. So here Abraham decides he's going to take a bit more of a leap of faith. So he says, how about, Lord, if there are 20 righteous people in the city, will he still destroy the cities? And God says, I will not. I will not destroy the city for the sake of 20 righteous. Abraham says, can I ask one more time? For the sake of 10, will you not destroy the cities? And God says, I will not destroy for the sake of 10. Five times. He intercedes before the Lord, pleading for any possible righteous people in that city and standing in the gap for them. 
Well, how about Esther? Esther was the queen at that point, and there was a very wicked prime minister. His name was Haman, and he had deceived the king and arranged for him to sign an edict that would allow for the murder of all the Jews. Esther had an older cousin. His name was Mordecai, and he said to Esther, you need to intervene. You need to go to the king and tell him what has happened. Esther says, listen, if I go to the king without being summoned, if he doesn't raise up that golden scepter, I will be killed. I'm not allowed to go there. I'm not allowed to go there if I haven't been summoned. So in Esther chapter 4, verse 13 to 14, we read what Mordecai tells Esther. He says to her, Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. What faith? But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Then Esther said to Mordecai, Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. I think we need to be fasting more, family of God, and praying more. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So here is Esther standing in the gap interceding for a nation and here we have all the jews of the province of susa and all of them are interceding for her as she's standing in the gap for this nation and there's an incredible victory there's an incredible victory as they prayed and as they trusted god for a solution so i've got three points that i'd like to share with you this morning about interceding for a nation and the first point is that we need to respond to god's call to pray Let's read our key scripture, 1 Timothy 2. Again, I'm just reading the first three verses. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior. God speaks to us through His Word. He leads us through His Word. He guides us through His Word. He prompts us and stirs things within us through His Word. And here, in the Scripture, and in many other parts of the Bible, we are called to pray. And we are called to intercede for others. There are two passages in the Old Testament that I found that are, are devastatingly sad in this area. Have a look at these scriptures. The first one is Ezekiel 22, verse 29 to 30. It says this, it says, The people of the land practice extortion and commit robbery. They oppress the poor and needy, and they ill-treat the foreigner, denying them justice. If you think about South Africa, and you listen to some news reports, these things are happening in our nation. If you... Tune into CNN and you look at what's happening around the world. These things are happening in many nations around our world. God says, I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so that I would not have to destroy it. But I found no one. 
In Isaiah 59, verse 15 to 16, we read a similar verse. Truth is nowhere to be found, and whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. I don't know if you realize it, but in our country and in many countries around the world, people who stand up for the Lord, people who stand up for righteousness, people who stand up for truth get shunned. They get belittled. They get called all kinds of names. It's almost not popular to stand up for truth. This is happening in our world. They become prey. It says, The Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. So his own arm achieved salvation for him, and his own righteousness sustained him. Can you imagine this? In those Old Testament times, in those prophets, that the Lord couldn't find anyone to intercede for the nation. May that never be true for us. May each one of us rise up as an intercessor in our generation. We are called to pray. We are called to intercede. We need to guard against something that is called prayerlessness. Because the enemy will do anything to stop us from praying. Because he knows the power and the nation-changing effect that prayer can have. It's very easy to get busy and distracted. It's very easy to end up worrying and complaining about things in our nation. And yet not to pray with any real level of fervency. Prayerlessness needs to be repented of and it needs to be counted with every bit of strength that we can muster. In 1 Peter 4 verse 7 we read the following. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Have you ever heard of the bystander effect? Or bystander apathy? The bystander effect is if you arrive in a place where someone is in need, and if there's a whole lot of other people there too, the bystander effect says that no one will really volunteer to help that person in need. Everyone will think that someone else is going to help them. Now the same thing can happen regarding prayer. We can switch on the news or listen to the news and we can listen to everything that's happening in our nation and we can be going, Lord, I hope someone is praying for our country. We can think, I'm sure that there's some powerful intercessors out there. You know those guys that have got the intercession anointing? As long as they're praying, we're okay. We all need to pray. We all need to intercede. So here's the challenge. A practical thing that I want to encourage you to do. Next time you listen to the news or watch the news, at the end of the bulletin, will you switch off the TV or switch off your radio if you're driving somewhere? And then take a moment to tune into the Holy Spirit and then say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to pray on that I've just heard? And then pray with fervency. Pray with focus. Pray with faith. And ask the Lord to intervene for our nation. I did this the other day. I was traveling up to uh, the office and I was listening to the news. Afterwards, I switched off the radio and then I just drove, and after a while I just started praying into certain of the things that the Lord was stirring in my heart from what I just heard. After I had prayed, I felt that I had been part of the solution. It changed everything. Let's do that. So my first point is that we need to respond to God's call to pray. And my second point is that we need to prepare. 
How many of you are going to the It's Time prayer gathering on the 27th of October? A whole bunch of hands raised. It's going to be an incredible time. It's going to be an exciting time. And I believe it's going to be a hugely significant time in the spiritual realm over our nation. But we need to be careful of looking forward to the experience and of wanting to be part of something big and arriving at that place unprepared. We need to prepare our hearts. And the first thing we need is we need to have consecrated hearts. There's a story in 2 Chronicles 29 about King Hezekiah. Now his father, King Ahaz, was a very, very wicked king. He built idols. He worshipped foreign gods. He was so bad that he even shut up the temple of the Lord to prevent people from worshipping the living God. But when he died, his son, King Hezekiah, became king at the age of 25. And then we read those beautiful words, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. You know what he did? First thing, he called all the priests, and he said to them, I want you to consecrate yourselves to the Lord. I want you to purify yourselves. Then what he does is he said to them, I want you to go to the sanctuary, to the temple of the Lord, and I want you to purify the sanctuary. I want you to remove all kinds of defilement that was done there. Remove it all. And then what he did was he uh, sent out messengers throughout the land and he told the people, come, come to uh, the temple and uh, let's celebrate the Passover. So in essence, he was saying, let the nation consecrate themselves. Let's return to God. Let's remember the God that led us out of Egypt. Let's remember the Passover. Credible King, King Hezekiah. So if you feel that the Holy Spirit is stirring in your heart and prompting you again to become an intercessor, to say you need to pray for the nation, the first thing is you need to respond to that call. The second thing is you need to consecrate your hearts and purify your heart. In 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14, we read that famous text. It says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. God doesn't say, if the people. He says, if my people who are called by my name. That's us. Then he says, my people must humble themselves and pray. He says, my people must seek my face. He says, my people must turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. In the next two weeks, can I suggest that uh, you as a family and with your loved ones, take some time to pray and to fast. And I want to encourage you to have communion on a more regular basis than usual, even on a daily basis, as you prepare your heart for the It's Time prayer gathering. So firstly, we need consecrated hearts. The second thing we need is we need compassionate hearts. I spoke to Pastor Philip the other day and uh, asked him about his mission trips to Belgium. He has been there 18 times over the past 16, 17 years. 18 times he's been to Belgium. The Lord's given him a real burden for that nation. So I said to Philip, I said, the Lord has asked me to speak and preach on interceding for a nation uh, what can you teach me about your interceding for Belgium over the years? This is what he said. Bruce, a country must be laid on your heart by the Lord, and it will become a burden. And that burden turns to compassion. 
That's the key. And that burden turns to compassion. And compassion overflows into a desire to take action, either to pray or to go. I read an interview by a lady who wrote a book titled Prayers That Changed History. This is what she said. Prayer shouldn't always be about asking God to change things. Instead, it's asking God to change us and give us His heart. Once we have His heart, we care about the things that He cares about. That's when things truly begin to change. How many of you can honestly say that you have got a heart of compassion for the nation of South Africa? All right, if your hand's not up, I want to encourage you to ask the Lord to give you a burden and a heart of compassion for our country. So we need consecrated hearts and we need compassionate hearts. But we also need courageous hearts. Two scriptures regarding courageous hearts. The first one is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 13. Reading from the New King James Version. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. You see, we as children of God have been given armor and weapons for this battle. And we have also been given authority. Listen to what Jesus said to Peter in Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. I'm going to read this verse from the Amplified Bible. And I want to encourage you in your own Bible, make a note there. Read from the Amplified Bible. This version explains it the most clearly out of all. Matthew 16, verse 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind, declared to be improper and unlawful on earth, must be what is already bound in heaven. Whatever you loose, declare lawful on earth, must be what is already loosed in heaven. So we can bind demonic forces and principalities because they have been bound in heaven. And we can release God's righteousness and His peace and His joy and His love and His provision because those things have been loosed in heaven. I spoke to one of our shepherds the other day. Uh, he went on a prayer walk around Mauritius with a pastor friend of his. How many of you would like to do a prayer walk around Mauritius? Okay. It's a very beautiful place. But don't let the natural beauty of Mauritius fool you. Because Mauritius has got a history of slavery and oppression. Uh, there are many, many Hindu temples and shrines. And it's home to a militant grouping of Muslims. So spiritually, it's quite oppressed, this country. So they felt to walk around the whole island praying and interceding. He sent me this testimony. On our prayer walk, we saw clear signs of the demonic and we experienced many physical and spiritual attacks on ourselves and on our loved ones to distract us. On the last day, after praying at a specific stronghold, a Masonic museum, 
A great storm broke loose with a strong wind, rain and lightning. And a dry branch known as an elephant trunk broke loose and crashed down on the road, just missing me. I mention this to illustrate the reality of the enemy, but at the same time to marvel in God's protection and goodness. Friends, it takes courage to intercede. It takes courage to stand in the gap for a nation. It takes courage to do spiritual warfare against powers, principalities, and rulers of this dark age. So heart preparation is important. We need consecrated hearts, we need compassionate hearts, and we need courageous hearts. So the first point was we need to respond to God's call to intercede. Second point is we need to prepare our hearts. And the third point is that we need to pray. We need to pray spirit-led, word-based prayers. I want to start off with spirit-led prayers. When we are spirit-led as we intercede for a nation, we look at situations through spiritual eyes, not through natural eyes. We are sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We speak to Him. We listen to Him. We ask Him to guide us and prompt us and put things into our hearts to reveal to us what we need to pray for. When we are Spirit-led, our hearts are full of love. And we pray with power and with faith. When we are Spirit-led, there is no flesh involved. There are no selfish prayers. No prayers out of anger or hatred or revenge towards other people. Remember, we are not battling against people. We are not battling against flesh and blood. That is what the scriptures tell us. And when we are spirit-led, we are not trying to change things in our own strength. As God's children, we are simply coming before our Heavenly Father, asking Him to intervene about the very things that the Holy Spirit has placed in our hearts. And we can do that with great faith. Ephesians 6 verse 18 says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Let me tell you, sometimes the Holy Spirit is going to ask us to pray for things that may seem strange. Have a look at our key text again in 1 Timothy 2. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority. So for all people, that makes 100% sense. You know, we pray for the lost, we pray for the backslidden, we can pray for the prodigals, we can pray for the believers in the nation, we can pray for those. And then it says specifically, pray for kings and those in authority. Now Paul wrote this to Timothy, and the emperor at the time was Emperor Nero. And Nero was one of the cruelest emperors. He persecuted the church. He martyred the Christians. And Timothy, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, through Paul, was instructed to pray for the kings and those in authority. You know, there might be times where you're watching the news and there's someone in a governing role or in an authority, a president or a minister, and you might think, I don't really want to pray for that person. I don't really like them. But the Word of God says, pray for kings and those in authority. We need to pray for those in leadership roles. Now, we not only need to lead or pray spirit-led prayers, but we need to pray word-based prayers. 
In Hebrews 4 verse 12, we read the following. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So sometimes we need to take our Bible and we need to read the words of Jesus and we need to read the Psalms and we need to pray the word into different situations in our nation. There's nothing more powerful than praying God's word into our country. Jesus said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, then you can ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. I wish we had some time to unpack some of the scriptures and some of the prayers that are in the Bible that, that can guide our prayers. But as you prepare yourself to intercede for our nation, whether on your own or at the It's Time prayer gathering on the 27th, I want to encourage you to get into the Word and to begin to note down some things you can pray. Here are a couple of prayers that people in the Bible have prayed, and you can read through them because they actually could inform and help you in your prayer. I'm going to read them out for the sake of those listening on audio streaming. But they are also on the back of your announcement flyer. So these scriptures are there and you can work through them at home. Jehoshaphat's prayer, 2 Chronicles 20, verse 3 to 12. Daniel's prayer, Daniel 9, verse 4 to 19. The Lord's prayer, Matthew 6, verse 9 to 13. The prayer of Jesus, the whole of John chapter 17 is just fantastic. The prayer for the Ephesians, Ephesians 1, verse 15 to 19, and Ephesians 3, verse 14 to 21. The prayer for the Philippians, Philippians 1, verse 3 to 11. The prayer for the Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 to 12. It's one of my favorites. The prayer for the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 11 to 13, as well as chapter 5, verse 23 to 24. You may also want to read through the letters to the churches in the book of Revelation, found in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, because these prayers and these letters contain many things that we can pray over ourselves, over our families, over our church, and over our nation. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for the invitation to pray and intercede for our nation and for any other nation that you place on our hearts. Help us to be like Abraham and Esther who were willing to stand in the gap. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and shine your light so that we can consecrate our hearts. We also pray, Holy Spirit, that you will give us the power that we need and the love that we need to pray with compassion and with courage. Lord, we thank you for your promise to answer our prayers as we abide in you and as your words abide in us. So that we know, Lord, we can know in faith that as we pray for our nation, you will intervene in many miraculous ways. Lord God, we lift up the nation of South Africa to you and we pray for it today. We ask, Father God, that you will loose righteousness and peace and joy over our nation. We pray, Father God, that you will give us victory over the evil one. We pray, Father, that you will bind all the dark, evil forces, the principalities and the powers that would want to destroy this nation. And we pray, Father God, that South Africa will experience a revival, Lord God, where the fire of the Holy Spirit will burn and where our nation, Lord God, will be an example to many of a nation that has turned back to God. We pray this in Jesus' name.